pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, cast your minds back with me five years. Five years to June 2018, pre-COVID. The world was an innocent place back then, was it not? But June 2018, do you remember those lads who got stuck in a cave in Thailand? Do you remember that? It was massive news all over the news um, for days and days. 23rd of June, these lads, this uh, um, football team of lads from Thailand, they went into, I don't know why they went into a cave with their coach, but they went into a cave, a caving system with their coach with no caving equipment whatsoever, decided to have a little explore. And then the torrential rain started. You remember this story? And as the torrential rain came down, the floods came up. Um, But that's where the song finishes, because they had to go further and further into the cave, didn't they? So they had to, as as the floods came up, they had to move through the cave further and further. And they ended up in the cave for 10 days, two and a half miles away from the entrance to the cave. Can you imagine that? Two and a half miles away from the entrance to the cave. They're in a cave system without food and without water, underground, obviously, and so it is pitch black. They're on a kind of a little island surrounded by water in the pitch black. Now, my dad was a Cornish tin miner. And at one point, we went uh, down a mine. Took us down a mine. Not one of his mines, but down a mine. And turned our lights off. And it was utterly dark. Complete, like, you couldn't tell if your eyes were open or not. Dark. These kids, this football team with their coach, down underground, 10 days in the pitch black. Now, I don't know how you'd feel in that situation. I think I'd be concerned. I think I'd have some concern for my safety and those of, that of those around me. Um, it, it's, it's the not knowing if anyone's coming. Kind of waiting for death, really. But they didn't know that there was a, an international rescue mission out to find them. Uh, for 10 days, they just sat in the dark. And then on the 2nd of July, kind of out of the water, a British diver called John Philanthon surfaced. And he saw these 12 boys and their coach. He had a video recorder on at the time. And you can kind of go on YouTube and look it up. You can see the conversation that he had with these lads. And what they were saying was, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, over and over again. They were thankful. I'll say they were thankful. Can you imagine being them? Can you imagine being one of their parents as your children are found? How would you feel in that instance? And the rescue operation was not straightforward. Remember the story? Remember that part of the story? It took them a while to get them out. And one of the Navy divers actually died bringing the lads out of the cave. But they did get them all out. Notice that not one of them refused the rescue. Said, I'll be all right, thanks. I quite like it, two and a half miles underground. And when they came out, see the reaction of the parents, weeping tears of joy at seeing their sons again. They were thankful, deeply, truly thankful. What reason did they have to be thankful? Well, every reason in the world. They've been rescued from death. Can you see where this is going? Thankfulness. Reading this uh, account from the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ that Luke records for us, thankfulness is the thing that jumps out. Ten men healed from leprosy. 
one of the ten comes back to give thanks. Nine of them, nowhere to be seen. Ungrateful lot, aren't they? But it does raise the question for us this morning, as we look at this account, how thankful are we? How thankful are you? Are you like the nine? Or are you like the one? We'd all say, maybe, if I, if I, if I asked you, well, yeah, I, I guess I'm thankful. I do give thanks. Thanks my food. I give thanks. But if we stop and actually think, what's going through your mind? Do you think, well, I could be a bit more thankful, I guess. There's stuff to give thanks for that I don't really. Do you resolve to be more thankful? Or maybe you think, what have I got to be thankful about? My life is a mess. It's so hard. Everything seems to have gone wrong. Why should I be thankful? I don't know you. I don't know your situation. I know in my church there'd be a number of people who would find it really hard to be thankful because of what's going on in their lives. Well, let's dive into the book of Luke and let's see what Jesus says about himself and about our thankfulness in this passage. I've got two reasons to be thankful from this passage here this morning. First one, be thankful. God's king has come. Be thankful. Why? God's king has come. Have a look at verse 11. We join Jesus now on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Just pause there before we go any further, because when Luke writes that, it's not just an interesting kind of historical geographical marker. It's a structural marker in the book of Luke. It's a marker of a new section. Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem. And Luke hasn't just thrown his gospel together willy-nilly. It's not just the stuff, kind of the notes he's got all over his table from the eyewitnesses he, he, um, he interviewed, and he's just kind of got them in a bit of an order. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. He's a highly sophisticated ed- editor, and he wants to give us certainty about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 4. And so he gives us structural markers as he goes through. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, this is where Jesus is going. And in this section, which goes from here to uh, chapter 19, verse 28, we see Jesus traveling towards Jerusalem. Then in 1928, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. What's he going to Jerusalem to do? He's going to die. He knows it. He's heading there. He sets his face to die. And in this section leading up to there, when Jesus enters Jerusalem as king, we see Luke telling us what sort of king... Jesus and what sort of kingdom he has. So there's loads of kingdom language in this section of Luke. And Luke shows us what sort of king Jesus is and the who, the when, and the how of God's kingdom. And the first thing we need to know about God's king coming with God's kingdom is how thankful that should make us that God's king has come. The response we need to have towards the Lord Jesus. So let's see what happens on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 12, Jesus is going into a village. And as he's going into the village, can you see 10 men who had leprosy came out to meet him? We say meet him, they stood at a distance because they had to. Now, it could be any number of skin diseases. There are all sorts of terrible ones around. But these men, they stayed at a distance because they had to stay at a distance. They were distanced from everyone. They were distanced from those they loved. They were distanced from the whole village. Now, up till 2020, we may not have kind of clocked what that would have meant for them. It may have been, okay, yeah, they were, they were distanced from everyone. But now we understand it, don't we? We understand what it means to have to stay distanced from the people we love. 
How long ago, uh, or how long did you spend cut off from hugging friends and family? Uh, not allowed to go into their houses. Not allowed to even see them from anything other than a distance. Maybe you're still feeling some of that distance. These men were permanently socially distanced, with no hope of that ending. It was their life now. They were distanced. And there was no Zoom to catch up with people. Nothing like that. They weren't allowed to see their family. They weren't allowed to go into the village. They were cast out of society. And people didn't want to go near them anyway. They had to go around. Whenever they went around, they had to go with their hair unkempt, with a part of their face covered. They had to shout, unclean, unclean, whenever they walked around. Can you imagine, in the height of the COVID pandemic, where if you had COVID, you tested positive, and if you were allowed to go out, you, you had to shout, I've got COVID, I've got COVID. How many people would come near you if you were walking around like that? No one wanted to be near them, even if they were allowed to. It's a living death for these 10 men. And so they stand at a distance, verse 12. They stand at a distance and they call out in a loud voice. What do they say? Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now they've probably heard of Jesus. He's healed lepers before. Have pity on us. Have mercy on us, Jesus. What does Jesus do? Is Jesus the kind of king who has mercy? When he saw them, Jesus said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. The only way someone could be allowed back into society was to go and see a priest and show that you no longer had the disease. Leviticus 14 shows us that you were declared clean by the priest seeing you and kind of examining you a little bit like a health worker. And so the ten, they're told to go and see the priest. But can you imagine their thought process as they do that? Because they're standing there with leprosy and all the disfigurements that come with that. And they turn and head off to the priest. And maybe they're thinking as they go, there's no way the priest is going to see us. This is a fool's errand. But let's go anyway. We might as well. And then one says to the other, hold on, I'm not itching or flaking anymore. And your skin isn't red. And that massive boil that you had on your face, it seems to have gone. And you're no longer weeping pus. Oh, hold on a second. My pain, the pain is gone. Oh, let's, we're healed. You imagine? Jesus has healed them of their leprosy. Their skin is smooth and soft and blemish free. They could do an oil of you, they advert. Stop a moment. Where do their thoughts turn as they are healed? Where would yours go? Where did yours go? When you, when you were desperate to see your loved ones, during COVID, when you were released from social distancing, what did you do? What was the first thing you wanted to do? Well, I guess it was probably, I want to go and see my friends and my family. I want to give my parents a hug, or I want to, I want to give my, my, my best friend a hug, because I haven't been able to do that for so long. Is that what you felt? Maybe, maybe not. Well, that's what nine of them thought. I get to go back to my life. I can see my wife and my kids. I get to go back to my life. Well, nine of them thought that. That's what shaped their lives. But one of them, look at verse 15. One of them was different. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. One of them, his thoughts didn't turn to what he could now do. It didn't turn to himself and his own kind of personal enjoyment. didn't turn to himself and his own relationships. His thoughts turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King. 
Yes, I am free. And what does that mean? It means I can go and worship Jesus. That is the best thing to do. It is a great idea to worship Jesus. It is a great idea to go back to Jesus. Why is it a great idea to go back to Jesus? Well, Because Jesus has done something amazing. And he's shown something amazing. See, Jesus, it wasn't just that Jesus healed these men. When Jesus healed people, it's not just that he showed compassion. Although he does show compassion. And when Jesus heals these men here, he's not just showing what his kingdom is like, a kingdom where there will be no more death or crying or pain. Although he does show that's what his kingdom is like as he heals these men. Here's the thing. Jesus' miracle here shows that he is God's promised king. He is the one. He is the Messiah. You can see that from Luke chapter 7, verse 22. It's not just chucked in here. Luke knows what he's doing in writing this down because back in Luke chapter 7 verse 22 we get a um, John the Baptist. You can turn back there if you like. It's on page 1035. Don't have to. You can listen to me but if you want to uh, follow along you can do. In Luke chapter 7 verse 22 well John the Baptist has just asked a question that he sends his disciples to ask Jesus. Here's the question. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Then Luke repeats the question for us, just so we don't miss it. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John's saying, is Jesus the Messiah? Are you, Jesus, the Messiah, the King? Are you the one that Isaiah spoke of particularly? And Jesus replies, verse 22. Jesus replies to the messengers. Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus says, you've seen the miracles. That shows I am the Messiah, the King, the one the prophet Isaiah spoke about. It's me, Jesus says. And so when he heals these ten men with leprosy, he's doing just that, saying, look, it's me. And Luke is reminding us by putting this right here, it's Jesus is the King. He's doing King things, like cleansing lepers. And that is awesome news. Jesus, God's promised king, has come. And look what he's like. He has pity on the poor and the helpless. Good place to start in Psalm 113 this morning. As we go through uh, this story. What is the king like? He raises up the poor and the helpless. He has pity and mercy. And look what that does. To this man who is healed in Luke chapter, uh, back in chapter 17. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Can you see the change there? He was socially distanced, and now he is right at Jesus' feet, touching distance. He was crying out in a loud voice for mercy. Now he is crying out in a loud voice in praise. Can you see what Jesus has done for him? What's happened? Well, something has changed inside this man. Jesus has become the most important thing. All other senses of what he wants is eclipsed behind thanking and praising Jesus. Jesus is the most precious thing in his life. Would we say the same? Is Jesus so precious to us as he is to this man who was cleansed? Are we any less cleansed? Are we more cleansed? 
What does Jesus say to this man? Verse 19. He said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. This one, he's not just got temporary blessings from Jesus. He is saved into Jesus' kingdom. He now has eternal blessing at Jesus' hands, eternal cleansing. He has tears wiped away, mourning gone, death gone, eternal acceptance and adoption, peace and joy and love and a future with Christ. Life. But before we delve into that a bit more, look at the other nine. Can you see what the other nine are doing at this point? Well, no, we can't actually because they disappeared from the story. They disappear from the story in verse 14. They've accepted Jesus' miracle and they've gone on their way. They go back to their families. They live their lives with all that's important restored to them. What a blessing Jesus poured out on them with cleansing from sickness. But at the same time, it's tragic, isn't it? For those nine men, it's tragic because of what they've missed. All ten were cleansed of their leprosy, but only one responds with faith. And that is tragic for the nine. They've, if you like, they've taken the short-term blessings, but missed the true blessing. They've taken the short-term blessing, but missed the true blessing. A bit like this. Um, I don't know if they still do it nowadays, but um, in packets of crisps, you sometimes get kind of a, a prize, or there's, a, there's a, a promise of maybe a prize in there, like a holiday to give away. Can you imagine, like you get a packet of crisps, pickled onion monster munch, so um, no one wants to come near me later. But you open up the package. I'm not going to eat that right now. Oh, that is strong. You open up the packet, and you eat the crisps. But at the bottom, there is a golden ticket. Golden ticket. There's a golden ticket for a holiday to anywhere in the world with anyone you like, all expenses paid. Can you imagine that? Opening up your packet of crisps and seeing that in there alongside your crisps. Well, these nine are like people who open up the packet of crisps and eat the crisps and chuck the ticket away. Yes, there is something, there is blessing there, but they've missed the main event, haven't they? They have missed the blessing. They've missed out on the best thing which is salvation into God's kingdom. Is that a danger for you? You see that Jesus is special, even compelling. You see that he has done good things in the Bible. But you haven't taken the step of actually trusting him, of actually trusting him with your life. You can accept the good gifts that he gives you, of friends and family and finances and fitness. I have to keep on all Fs. It scans. Gives you good gifts. But have you rejected the giver? That would be tragic. If you don't follow Jesus here this morning, I urge you. I urge you to follow him. Can I urge you to accept the offer of cleansing and life that he gives? Don't just eat the crisps and chuck away the real main event. Come to Jesus and know life. The king has come. And the king is still king. He's still alive. He is still reigning now. And that is underlined and put in bold and highlighted by his death and resurrection and ascension. Jesus right now is reigning. And because he's lived and died and rose again, he really is the king now. And so our lives are lived 
How? In thankfulness to him. Thank God that Christ has come. We can be thankful every single second that God's king has come. We can be thankful even in the midst of the toughest circumstances. Because we know that they are temporary. What is it that Paul says in Romans chapter 8? Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. In the light of eternity, even the hardest, toughest thing that you may go through, I don't know what you're going through. In the light of eternity, they are temporary. And Christ's kingdom is eternal. So we can thank him, can't we? We can thank him for that hope that we have. Give thanks. Be thankful. God's king has come. Here's a second reason to be thankful. Be thankful. God's kingdom is for all. Here's a little detail that I missed out. Did you see it? Were you thinking he hasn't done anything with that? Verse 16. Have a look at verse 16. We missed the detail. The one who came back, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 18. Verse 17. Jesus asked, we're we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? He's a Samaritan. Now, to the Jews at the time, I'm sure you know this, the Samaritans were outsiders, they were even enemies, kind of half Jewish, but not really, and all the worse for it. Jews and Samaritans hated one another. But the Samaritan was the one who came back. He was as outsider as you can get. It is not possible to be further outsider. He was a Samaritan and a leper. But look who Jesus delights to include in his kingdom. Who does Jesus delight to include in his kingdom? The least and the lost, the outsider. Jesus has always included outsiders. The book of Luke shows us through Luke. Luke just has this drumbeat through of outsiders coming in. The sinful woman who anoints Jesus' feet in Luke 7. The sick woman in Luke 8. Blind Bartimaeus in Luke 18. They're all outsiders. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. They're saved not because of anything special and there is nothing special about them, but because they had faith in Jesus. Simply they had faith in Jesus. They put their trust in the right place. And that is wonderful news because it means that whatever your past, whatever the skeletons in your closet, whatever your present, whatever your status, your record, your background, however clever you are or not, whatever you struggle with, however other people have treated you, whatever your sex or ethnicity or age, Jesus has come for you. For you. In fact, he humbles the proud who think they are good enough. And he saves the sinner who knows they're not. We just have to go to the end of the Gospel of Luke and see the thief on the cross. Who knowing his sin pleads for mercy. And what does Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' kingdom is for you. If you have repented of your sin and accepted his free offer of forgiveness, and if you have not done that, don't be like the nine who missed out on Jesus. Don't be someone who comes near enough to Jesus, close enough to know something about him, close enough to maybe even look like a Christian, but never trust him. Instead, look at the Samaritan who turns back to Jesus and accepts the gift. Jesus can be for you because it's not about you. It's about him. We are saved entirely because of his grace. Just like this Samaritan man. Entirely because of grace. 
entirely because Jesus stepped down to us and knowing the depth of our sin and rejection and shame, our complete inability. We can no more save ourselves than the leper can heal himself. He has come and humbled himself and gone to death on a cross. And so his kingdom is for you. It is for all. And so the right response to the king coming and opening up his kingdom to all is thankfulness. It's thankfulness. It's coming to him and praising him, kneeling at his feet in praise and thanks, just like the Samaritan. So here's the big question. How thankful are you? I think our thankfulness is often an indicator of how uh, kind of our health of our walk with the Lord, if you're a believer here this morning. And there are lots of things that can, uh, that can rob us of thankfulness, that can make it hard to be thankful. Depression. Difficult life situations, tragedy, health problems, other health problems, physical health problems, or mental health problems can make it really tough in the darkness to be thankful. But we have every reason to give thanks. And if there is no tone of thankfulness at all in your life, how is your walk with Jesus? What makes us unthankful? I think we lose our thankfulness when we're fixated on other things. We think it's great what Jesus has done for me, but I am stressed at work or with the kids. We think it's great what Jesus has done for me, but he hasn't given me the job or the family or the situation that I want. And that is a loss of perspective, isn't it? It's a loss of perspective on eternity. Brothers and sisters, of all people, we have the most to give thanks for because we have a sure and certain hope of glory. Because Jesus has died, he is alive, and he is ascended to heaven, and he is returning. But maybe we take our salvation for granted. We take it for granted that the eternal king and maker of the universe, who alone is perfect, has taken on flesh and has scandalously been crucified for us and for our sake. We take it for granted that he who had no sin became sin for us. So that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Yeah, well, yeah, I get that, but I've heard that before. <laughs> the problem is when we take the cross for granted, when we treat the cross as common, we're one short step from drifting. The path to thankfulness is not a case of saying, be more thankful. Resolving to be thankful will not work. We need to see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory as the Messiah, the King who saves has saved, does save, and will save. And we see him as that king. Then despite and through our life situations, then there can be a tone, a drumbeat of thankfulness. Remember those Thai boys rescued from the cave? They were thankful. Why were they thankful? Because they were rescued. And their lives are now defined by that rescue. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, uh, they've been around the globe. They pl- went to play in a tournament at Barcelona Football Club, which is quite good, isn't it? They watch various teams, or they've been on TV, all sorts. Their lives are defined by, by what's happened to them, by their rescue. So what is the path to thankfulness? Well, here's what I, I want to ask you a question. We're getting towards the end now. We're getting there. I want to ask you a question. What if Jesus hadn't come? What if he had not come? What if he had not come in this account? For those ten lepers... If they had stood there on the road that day and Jesus had not turned up, where would that have left them? Outcast and lost. What if Jesus had not come? 
where would we be? Where would it leave us if our king had decided not to come? If he never lived as a man, if he never went to the cross, if he never rose again, where would it leave us? Where would it leave you? We would be lost. In the deepest sense of the word, we would be hopeless and helpless. But we're not. The wonder of our rescue, the wonder of grace, the magnitude of the fact that the Lord Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is grace. And when we grasp that, that shakes us out of unthankfulness, doesn't it? To throw ourselves at Jesus' feet. We're only going to be thankful when we think and talk and meditate on what Jesus Christ has done for us. As I close, here is one simple, concrete way this week to help us with our thankfulness. I was chatting to someone who made a thankfulness diary. Now, it sounds probably more grandiose than it was. She wrote five things down every day. First thing in the morning, five things to be thankful for. Different things every day. Five things to be... I thought, that's just a brilliant idea. Five things to be thankful for. How about this week, when you get out of bed, the first thing you do, five things I can be thankful for today. Write them down on a pad or on your phone or whatever's closest to you. Five things, beginning with what Jesus has done for you. And moving on from there, his grace you in cleansing you. And when you've noted down five things to be thankful for, well, thank God for them. Turn it into prayer. That shakes us out of unthankfulness and draws us out in praise to our king. The king has come. His kingdom is for you. What a great reason to be thankful. Here's a question just to think about as we close. You can think about it over coffee or afterwards. What's going to make you more thankful? Should we pray together? Let's pray.